for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church. To find out more about the Movement Church, you can check out our website at theocmovement.com or follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The OC Movement. How many of you are enjoying Wonder Life so far? Let me see a show of hands. Awesome. Uh, if you are new, you're brand new here, or maybe you've kind of just kind of maybe been on vacation, we are in the middle of a series called Wonder Life, and uh, it's all centered around this workbook written by a guy named Mike Foster, a good a friend of ours, and uh, it's really, uh, the, the, the title of this is a not-so-perfect guide to who you are and why you're here, and our small groups that meet all throughout the region at different days of the week, different times of the week for different groups of people are walking through this workbook together. Um, And it's really centered around two questions, and that is, why am I here? Who am I and why am I here? These two questions have been kind of plaguing humanity since the creation of humanity. But let me just say what this is not. This is not some like secular, humanistic, existential, self-help guide that puts all the pieces together, okay? Uh, this is not something that we are walking through. And by the time we're done with this series and this book, everything will be perfect in your life. Uh, that's not real. That's a cult, and we're not one of those. And so uh, we're just kind of exploring this, what we're calling a journey, to really discover some of the pieces that may be missing in life. Or some of the pieces, if you will, of a proverbial, the puzzle of our life, how do we make these certain pieces fit? And that's what this journey has been about. And uh, it's been pretty fun to walk through. We're kind of unpacking different life marks, if you will. Uh, in fact, he does that throughout the book. And there's still time. If you want to jump in a connect group, there's still two, I think, three more weeks left. And you can catch up and it'll be worth it. Mine uh, met yesterday morning and it was probably one of the best connect groups I've ever been a part of. Um, and as we shared our our quirks and the things that we love, you would be surprised at a group of all men, everyone agreed that we love romantic comedies. So that's what came out in our our connect group. It was amazing. And we just kind of talked about the notebook and how good it was. So, you know, it was that good. And so anyways, uh, we're walking through these these, uh, four life marks, these kind of like benchmarks or things that we kind of need to really understand some essential components. And life mark number one, which are, we preach about each Sunday, and then we talk about it in our Connect group. So if you've missed a Sunday, check out our podcast. It's found on our website, and you can catch up with that. But life mark number one is, I believe my story matters. I believe my story matters. And uh, it's so many people have so many components or chapters or pages of their story that they think, because of the, the chapters and the pages of my story that I would like to rip out or hope nobody sees, that that's a disqualifier. That the messiness of my story makes it where my story doesn't actually matter, but that couldn't be further from the truth. I mean, consider, if you will, movies. You would never want to watch a movie about someone whose life is perfect and there is no conflict. You wouldn't want to watch it. Not even Disney creates movies like that because it's unbelievable. We're like, that's weird. I, that's not, it doesn't even make sense. We love the movies that have tragedy and triumph and and heartbreak, and love, and all of the things in between, because we identify with the ups and the downs. And the point of this life mark, number one, is that your story matters not because you're perfect, but because God is good, and He's doing something powerful through your life. 
Life mark number two is that I'm unashamed about what I love and care about. I'm unashamed about what I love and care about. And that's the fact that God has created us with specific passions and desires, and it's intentional uh, because it's part of who we are and what He's called us to accomplish on this earth. But it's also life mark number one. We talked about not being conformed to the world or live a life that culture dictates, but be transformed and become who God has created you and me to be. And today we want to unpack life mark number three. I love this one. And if you haven't gone through this part of your book yet, which most of you haven't, this is a challenging one. It really is. Life mark number three is I'm honest about my obstacles and opportunities. I'm honest about my obstacles and opportunities. I want to reiterate that this is not some self-help hyperbole that fits into some existential lifestyle that if you just feel it, you're good. That's ridiculous. And this life mark is about being honest about the obstacles that I'm facing and the opportunities in my life. I want to read just a a portion of this book. I've been trying to read from it. I dove in 100% to this thing on on everything except for coloring. I haven't colored any pages. Judge me later. And, uh, but I want to read this passage uh, from page number 140. It's the very beginning of this life mark. This is uh, Mike Foster talking. He says this. So let me ask you a question. Do you know what the most destructive kind of lies are? Well, here is what I've discovered. The most destructive lies are the lies that we tell ourselves. They keep us locked into a life we were never created for. A boring life, a stuck life, a life of quiet despair. And you know what I finally realized in my own life? The lies that I tell myself, this is so true, the lies that I tell myself make perfect sense to me every single time. And that's why it's so easy for me to believe them. My own lies are exactly what Mike Foster, or insert your name there, wants to hear, and they validate everything I want to believe. Listen to this. This is so powerful. Unfortunately, our lies wear us out by pursuing goals that God never meant for us to chase. A pipe dream life, unreal and unattainable, both are not us. The lies must die so you can finally live. I love what author Paolo Coelho encouraged us to do when he says, choose some doors, or sorry, close some doors today, not because of pride, incapacity, or arrogance, but simply because they lead you nowhere. I'm honest about my obstacles and opportunities. Let's pray. God, we thank you that you're in this place already doing something miraculous. We thank you for what you did this week in the lives of our students and even the adults who are there. But God, today, we just have a few more moments dedicated with no noise, no distractions, no limitations, no hurdles, just a few more moments where we're open to what it is you want to do and say in us and to us so you can work through us. So God, we just commit the next 25, 30 minutes 100% to you. Do something miraculous. In Jesus' name I pray. And everybody said, what, what? (laughs) I want to read a passage that I, I love. It's found in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're kind of reiterating some of these passages of scriptures. And, and to be honest with you, this series is very different from series that we normally do 
uh, at the Movement Church, but we wanted to take a moment in the summer and get everybody on the same page. That's why all the connect groups are centered around this and all the sermon series. And I just got to be honest with you, man, it's really been amazing for me personally. And so today I'm going to be very candid and very transparent with you. And I just thought I needed to give you a disclaimer because there are a lot of polished, amazing churches that everything works perfectly. <laughs> that is not the movement church. <laughs> And, and in fact, we really have tried very diligently to be as authentic as we can. And here's the challenge with authenticity is sometimes it's hard to be around because we have done a great job, especially in the region that we live in, of putting up perfection. But man, we just don't, ain't nobody got time for that. So uh, if you don't like authenticity, you probably won't like the movement church, <laughs> but I think you do. And I think you'll find that here it's okay to be exactly who you are. We actually value that in you. I want to read this passage of scripture and just kind of dive into this final life, Mark, and just share a couple of thoughts and then close out with kind of an an exercise from the book and then just see what God wants to do. Can we do that? Ephesians chapter 1, verse 18, it says this, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. Well, that just means opened. In order that you may know the hope to which he has called you. I think this is a profound passage for us because the writer here is saying, man, I just, I pray a hope. If, if I had just one prayer, it would be that you would just open the eyes of your heart to what it is God wants to do, which actually means on top of that, that we have the option to close the eyes of our heart to what God wants to do in us. And I've found for me and for many of the guys in our connect group, one of the challenges of walking through this is that this is really forcing us to take some inventory of our life and what God wants to do in us. And I want to just talk about a few things that we need if we're going to be open and honest about our obstacles and our opportunities. And I want to just challenge you for a moment, for the next 20 minutes or so, would you Just take a journey with me and just say, okay, God, I don't actually even know where this is going. And maybe you're here and you don't necessarily believe in God. And that's okay. You're welcome here too. You have permission not to believe. But I would just challenge you. Would you just say, okay, I want to be open to the possibilities because I really want to live a wonderful life. I want to live the greatest life. I want to live the life that God called me to live and not some second-rate life. Life, not some fake, uh, you know, kind of like you've ever had, like, remember the, the duplex cookies? They look like Oreos, but they taste like cardboard. Can anybody out there? Idea? There's nothing like double stuff Oreos. How many of you can demolish a package like I can in a second? And then you go to the grocery store, and there's this package that looks like Oreos, but they're duplex cookies. They're demonic, aren't they? Listen, I don't want that life. I don't want a duplex cookie life for you. I want the good double stuff Oreo life for you. Let's just open a heart to what this might be. And I think there's a few things that we need to be or need to have in our life. In fact, Mike Foster points this out in the book, but there's three things in the very beginning he talks about. And number one, that's honesty. We just need some honesty. And that really means to take a fearless inventory of our lives. To take the mirror that's on the counter where if you flip it on the other side, you can see all the pores in your skin and to take a look in that mirror and go, okay, God, 
What are the things that are limiting? Wait, wait, let's re- replace that. What are the things that I'm doing that are limiting your potential in my life? What are the things that I have replaced what you want to do with what I want to do? And what are some potential obstacles that I'm facing that I might have an unrealistic expectation of what your purpose for me is? So for instance, let's say that you're here today and you're a 35-year-old man who just loves to play basketball. Man, and that's, that's me. I love to play. I'm not good at it, but I love to play basketball. It would be interesting if you were in your, your mid-30s and, and you're definitely past your prime. I'm sorry, but you are. And, and to think that you're going to make it as a point guard for the Warriors is really unrealistic. Can I get a what-what from some people in the crowd today? Wow, that was so good. I mean, listen, even no matter how much you love, no matter how many YouTube videos you watch, no matter how often you go to the park by your house and play and shoot, and no matter how many kids you can beat in a game of horse or pig, it doesn't matter. You're probably not going to make it as a point guard for the Warriors. But that doesn't diminish the fact that you have a love for basketball. And it doesn't diminish, diminish the fact that you might have a gift mix. And so the challenge would be, what if you could be the greatest youth coach for a basketball team in the region? And inspire some teenagers with your love and knowledge for basketball, but also make a difference in their lives. So I think the whole point of this is that we've got to be honest about our obstacles. Now, if you have a love for basketball and you're 35, go for it. I'm saying, like, you need to try out for the Warriors tomorrow. I'm just going to encourage you with that. But if or when it doesn't work out, don't give up on that dream because God still placed that in there. Are you tracking with me today? It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter what it is. I think the point is that we hold our passions and our dreams like this with an open hand. Saying, God, you've placed something in my life and you've given me this thing that I have a desire to do and I, I, I want to do something great, but it's not mine to determine how it works out. It's yours. And so the, the passions and the dreams that God's given, I think honesty comes in when we just simply say, God, would you lead me and would you guide me? We've got to be honest about it because if we're not honest, we, we fall into this trap of lying to ourselves and that becomes problematic. One of the exercises in the book is uh, this next slide. It's called the gut check inventory. And, and I, I just want you to take a minute and look through this. Uh, that, this is what I love about this workbook is for someone with an abstract mind like this, there's some great st- st- like little exercises for us. But just really look through this thing. How, how's your heart? If you were to rate this thing and uh, maybe put an X, either leaning towards a smiley face or leaning towards the frowny face. I guess that's a word now, frowny. Um, but how, how's your heart? Like, where would you say it is? And I'm not talking about, like, the physical health of your heart. I'm talking about, like, the emotional side of your heart. How's your mind? Your thought life? Is it convoluted and confusing? Is it discouraged and frustrated? Is it hopeful and filled with joy? How, how's your mind? And another question, I love this, how's it going? Like, like in life? Is it going well? Do you feel like... When you take a pulse of the, the general idea and concept of your life, how, how's it going? How's your hope? What a great question. You know, we might be in a season where my mind or my heart is in a rough place, but my hope can still be high, yeah. right? Or vice versa. So how, how's your hope? And then how's your attitude? I think your attitude is a great reflection of how your heart is doing. You know, have you ever thought about this? Leave that slide up for just a minute. Hey, and maybe you're like me, but I, I have this tendency on the inside to want to mark all the way by the smiley face on every single one of these. Like, I, I desperately want to mark or circle or put an X 
by the smiley face. Have you ever thought about why it is that no matter what we're walking through, we want to portray or communicate or feel like everything is great? Anyone else like that? And it's like this intrinsic thing inside of us. And I, I wonder if because in our culture, we have decided that when someone's leaning towards a frowny face, that they're not, I feel weird saying frowny face, but you understand what I mean. When we, when in culture, when someone's leaning towards a frowny face, it's like it's hard to be around them at times. If you've ever gone through a rough day and somebody said, how are you doing today? And instead of saying fine, you were like, man, I'm really not doing good. And they're like, I don't know what to do now. That's not the normal response. <laughs> and so we stop responding that way. Now, what I don't think is acceptable is just to stay in the frowny face side forever. Life is always bad. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I made that noise. I mean, it doesn't have to always be that way, but there are, listen, when you walk through some challenging seasons, there are going to be days that are frowny face days. And and to act like you're not is exhausting. Because then instead of just walking through the grief or the challenges or the pain of that, you're working desperately to portray an emotion or act in a way that you don't actually feel. And that, my friends, is exhausting. It truly is. I think it's exhausting trying to be who God didn't create you to be. And I think some of us need to just be honest and identify where is my heart right now. And I don't think the idea of this exercise is to identify where's my heart. My heart's a, it's near the frowny face. My mind is in the middle. And then, and then just let it be. That's, that doesn't make sense. That's not even God's hope or plan, but to say, okay, this is where I'm at currently. And I need to make some adjustments so that I can begin to discover joy again. So I can begin to discover hope again. Are y'all tracking with me today? honesty we've got to be honest about where we're at got to be honest about the obstacles that are in front of us we got to be honest about the opportunities and just the the passion and the dreams that God's given us and not be so quick to put parameters on it but just say God what do you want to do I think another thing that we need we need honesty I think we also need humility I'm pulling this directly from this book. We need humility. I love what Psalm 139 says, chapter 130. We've been reading through that this almost this entire journey. Psalm 139, 23 says this, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. What's interesting about this passage is in the beginning of this chapter, just 23 verses earlier, the writer says, God, you know me. You know my heart, and you know my thoughts. So the writer, he changes his tune now just a few verses later, and he says, search me, O God. Know my heart. I think he's kind of pulling a Jerry Maguire here. He's saying, God, would you help me know me, right? Would you help me know what it is that's going on? I, I, I just, would you help me identify the things that I need to change? Would you help me identify the areas that I need to adjust? Would you help me to identify the things that are becoming an obstacle rather than an opportunity? And I think the challenge is that we are really horrible self-assessors. We're bad at it. I think we, we're great, <laughs> look at me for a moment, I think we're great at assessing other people's problems, right? We know exactly what they need to change, what they need to adjust, right? 
We know exactly if they would just stop, if they would just start, if they would slow down, if they would speed up. But then when it comes to self-assessment, that fundamental attribution area kind of just kicks in. We talked about that in another series. That's the idea that when it comes to me, it's always external circumstances. It's never internal. Well, oh, it's because of what's going on with my family. It's because of my finances. It's because of this. It's because of that. And I think we struggle with this self-assessment thing. In fact, there was a study that was done uh, with women and men. And I did not create this, so please don't hate me for this. But there was a study that was done. Uh, they, they literally ha- had this ranking system for external beauty from 1 to a 10. And they brought in women and they said, why don't you tell us where you fit on this scale? Which is just horrible if you think about it. What's interesting about the study is that women almost always identified themselves as less attractive and beautiful than they actually were. (laughs) Whereas men, (laughs) you see where I'm going with this? (laughs) Almost always (laughs) attributed themselves to more attractive. You've heard the statement that a woman stands in front of a mirror and she sees all of her imperfections and all of, a flaw, all of her flaws, but a man stands in front of a mirror, no matter how big and how hairy, man, I look so good today, right? <laughs> it's just amazing. What's horrible is that we have, there's a ranking system for external beauty. That's the jacked up process here, right? But yet the, we just have this unrealistic assessment of ourselves, and I think we really need the Holy Spirit to come in and go, God, what is your expectation of me? What is your expectation? What is it you're hoping for me to do instead of trying to create something more or be something that I'm not? Uh, Mike Foster in the book, he talks about the idea of faithful versus fame. A few weeks ago, we were at a great women's conference in L.A. and I heard a statistic that millennials, one in four millennials, believe that they will be famous, which is insane. Right? It's, in, it's just, and I'm a millennial, so for those of you that just, I'm, I'm one of those. So I'm, I, I don't know if I'm one of the four or not, but I, I'm one of those. And, and I think that God has just simply called us to be faithful and not to strive for fame. And I, I think one of the challenging uh, issues is that we discount the opportunities that God has planted in front of us because they may lack the acclaim or fame that this world provides. Like, I mean, just think about. Look at me for a moment. Think about how amazing it is to be a phenomenal mom who creates a place where her kids can wake up and pursue purpose and destiny. Can you think of a greater or higher calling? I mean, just look at me for a moment. Imagine if you, gentlemen, just strove to be the greatest husband on the face of the planet, to love and inspire the dreams and the passions inside of your wife. We could go on and on and on. And so, for some reason, we, we diminish those things because it's not the fame and acclaim. And now what I'm not saying is we shouldn't strive for or dream big. But if fame is the objective, we're missing the point. In fact, if we're a Christ follower, if you're not, then you have permission not to believe. But if we're a Christ follower, the scripture talks about how we should exalt his name and not our own. Are y'all tracking with me? So we need honesty and we need 
humility because I believe we need to stop trying to be the next great fill in the blank here and just be the best you right now. Again, I'm not saying don't aim for the stars. Listen, we're idealists around here at the Movement Church. We actually believe we can change the world and we are one life at a time and so are you. But I think we should stop trying to be someone that the world says is great and we should just be the greatest me that I can possibly be. Are you tracking with me? So we need honesty and humility. And we really do. But I think another thing that we really need is we need help. We need help. And I think this is where I, it's been interesting. So you guys know my story, and, and uh, some of you do. If you're new, I apologize. Uh, I'm going to skip some of the details. But I was born and raised in Dallas and then did about a five-year prison stint in Phoenix. I'm kidding. Had a great, great time in ministry. Loved, loved at Phoenix and have met some of the greatest friends. And were there for four years and eight months of heat. Yes. And now I complain about the 76 degrees and 50% humidity. Anyways. Uh, so we're new to this culture. And one of the things that I found is the most amazing people live in Orange County. Yeah. Like the most amazing people, the people that I want to be friends with for the rest of my life. Yeah. But somewhere along the way, we have kind of slipped into this success theater mentality that we just, we need to figure it out on our own. And asking for help is almost like a sin. But we need to be honest about where we're at. We need humility, but to, the truth is, guys, we need help. We just, we need help. We need each other. We really do. And listen, that's God's plan. That's his idea. Hey, look at me for a moment. This might be frustrating to some of you, but God created Adam and said, it's not good that he's alone. And Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. So Adam had the greatest connection with God you could possibly imagine. And God said he still needs something more. We need each other. And here's the challenge. We live in a society where there's this concept that we've got to be a self-made man. And I did everything and I built this company on the back of spit and grit and teeth and duct tape. And man, look at me. And Steve Jobs, look at this guy. He built something from nothing. But here's the thing. Even the Lone Ranger had Tonto. Yeah, right. Sorry, millennials. Y'all are like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that means. <laughs> SpongeBob had Patrick. Does that help a little bit? <laughs> Oh, and the millennials are back. All right. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> oh, God. Part of me just died on the inside. In the book, in the, in the book, Mike talks about three stages of maturity. And uh, he talks about three stages of maturity. He says, number one is dependence. This is childhood. We're born, we need people to help feed us, change our diapers, provide sustenance, protect us, right? Number two is dependence, right? This is like when we enter the college years and we, uh, I'm sorry, independence, thank you. We enter the college years and we're getting our own place and we're paying for our own car. Some of you are like, I can't wait for my kids to hit the independence years and we're paying for our own things. (laughs) 
<laughs> this guy, oh man, we pray for you. So I, they're paying, paying for my own bills. And I, remember, the, if, how many of you have ever bought your first home in here? Like the, you sit down and they give you a stack of papers and you're not sure if you're giving your organs away. You don't know what. And you're just like, I don't know. This is so scary. And, but it's like this invigorating feeling like I'm doing this on my own. And like what, we have the Declaration of Independence. It's an American pastime. But the challenge is... This is not where we need to stop because we just kind of isolate here. and We really need each other. And so uh, in the book, he talks about how we need an interdependence, that we really need each other. And in fact, we need each other to achieve our greatest potential. The truth is we need each other to encourage each other, but we also need each other to identify blind spots. I think sometimes we feel like we're going to find the blind spots on our own, and that's ridiculous. I just, uh, my, my, our car is uh, getting, had a recall on the dashboard. There was a hairline crack in it, so there's a recall. So I took it to the dealership, and they gave me this super sweet, bougie loaner car. Like when you walk up, it opens the doors. Hello, Carrie Robinson, welcome. Please step on in. Would you like a warm shave? Absolutely. Here's some flan. I don't know why it's flan, but you can have this. And anyway, it's amazing. Like everything you could possibly, like if you think it, it happens. And, uh, and like literally it's got these really cool mirrors. Maybe you have this. So when you're driving on the highway and there's a car in your blind spot, the mirror has this little sensor and it goes, wee, 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 wee. I'm like, what? <laughs> I just close my eyes and take my hands off the wheel. It's amazing. <laughs> and it tells you where the, that my, there's something in my blind spot. And I think sometimes in life we think that through osmosis and what's going on, we're just going to kind of happen upon the biggest challenges that we're facing that we don't even know about. And that's ridiculous. Do you know that what's crazy is that usually the, the number one way that God chooses to work in and on you is through somebody else. And that's hard for us. Maybe it's through a sermon and God just says this one thing and it's a like click and it, oh, I gotta adjust this. Maybe somebody just speaks this one thing and you're like, oh, that, that is, I love that. That's what I love. We need help. It doesn't mean you're a, a, a horrible wretch of a human. It just means you're a human. We need help. I love how uh, in, this, uh, in this book and one of the ex- exercises is to talk about your own personal board of directors. You guys have that slide? I think this is worth checking out uh, specifically for for you, uh, I did this specifically. So here, my own personal board of directors. And this is just kind of framing up the people that you should have in your world. Because a lot of times, uh, what we really want is just cheerleaders. You're awesome! Yes! Right? And that's good. You need cheerleaders with pom-poms, somebody that's encouraging you, somebody that's saying this is great, but you also need a coach. This is someone who's just down the road from you. It doesn't necessarily have to be ages down the road, but just a little further down the road from you that says, hey, let me help you kind of navigate some storms that are going to come your way. But you, you also need a connector, people that are going to be expanding new relationships. That's one of the roles that the church plays. We create an atmosphere where you can keep growing in relationships because there's some greatness inside of you that other people need and vice versa. But we also need this key right here, the challenger. The person who won't allow you to lie to yourself and boldly calls you to do your best. They can be harsh but loving. Now, some of us have people on our board of directors that shouldn't be there, like cynics and discouragers. 
And, and some of you need to fire some of the people on the, your board of directors. <laughs> Call a meeting, add an addendum, and get those people out of there. Amen. Now, the challenge is, look at me in the eyes, sometimes we're related to those people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right? It's a challenge. It's true, right? Yeah. So just limit the amount of influence they have in your life. Now, the difference between a cynic and a challenger, a cynic is always pointing out the flaws and usually has an agenda. A challenger truly loves you and wants to see the best in you. Are y'all tracking with me? But we all need this in our life. This is practical, isn't it? But you know what I think? Sometimes we, we, we might, maybe sometimes we have too many challengers and not enough cheerleaders. We need to remember we're doing, we're, we're still in it. We have cheerleaders and challengers and we got connectors, but no coach. We need all these people in our life, and I think it's going to help bring this kind of holistic approach to what God wants to do in our life. Y'all track with me today? We're about to close. Jeremy, come on up, dude, and Matt. I know this is a very practical sermon series and process, but here's the thing, guys. I just, I don't know everything. I just know some of the experiences that I've had, and one of the key experiences I've had with people and in this region is we just kind of seem to go through life and we stop taking inventory. And some people take too much inventory and are constantly talking through the issues that they're walking through and never actually making changes. Neither of those are okay. But the whole purpose of this series and the reason we're doing connect groups around this is so we can take a personal inventory of our lives and just go, okay, God, I want to live a wonderful life. And I want to adjust and remove the things that I don't need in my world right now. I know that my story matters. I want to be honest about what I'm passionate about and and I care about. I don't want to diminish or deny that anymore. But I also want to recognize the obstacles and the opportunities. Stop chasing fame and just simply be faithful. That's what this life mark is about. And this one is a challenging one. And you might be in this journey. I've even heard a couple of people say this, that, man, I just, it's creating these things I don't know exactly what to do with. When I'm de- taking inventory, the, the list is huge and overwhelming. Like I could be taking inventory for days of all the things I need to adjust. Well, just pick one thing for now and start making some adjustments. This whole process is designed for conversation, dialogue, but also, look at me in the eyes, prayer. Just to say, God, what do you want to do in me? I don't want to stay the same. But you need to remember that this is a journey. I love what Kierkegaard said. He said, life isn't a problem to be solved, but an experience to be lived. Life isn't a problem to be solved, but an experience to be lived. I know so many of us have different pages and chapters in our story, but the greatest pages and chapters have yet to be written. One of the exercises that I loved in the end of this chapter that you'll go through this week in your connect group is it asks you to write a letter to your seven-year-old self. What would you tell your seven-year-old self? Some of you can't remember that far ago. (laughs) Some of you are like 12, and you're like, well, that would be easy. Just keep being awesome. And so all of those (laughs) above are great. 
But what would you write to your seven-year-old self about the trials, the challenges, and the things that you've been through? I, I wrote that, this, some stuff down last night just thinking through this process. So I'm going to read the letter that I wrote to my seven-year-old self. Dear seven-year-old Carrie, what up, you handsome kid you? <laughs> just a couple things I thought you should know. In two years, our family gets evicted from our home on Glen Cove, and it feels like your world is coming to an end. The truth is, things get rough. But don't worry, you're going to be okay. In fact, it has a profound effect on who you are today. The hard part is, you're going to feel like it's your responsibility to hold everything together and keep everyone happy in your family, which brings up a good point. You'll feel that pressure all through life, too, to hold things together. But let that go. God's got this. In about 10 years, you'll be faced with a very challenging situation. Just say no and run. Trust me, you'll be glad you did. God's call on your life is bigger than you think, but it's not a burden to bear, rather a privilege. So treat it like one. There are a few leaders in your life that you need to be open and honest with. It will save you a lot of pain. BTW, complain less and encourage more. It makes life more full. There are a lot of girls who will want your attention. <laughs> but only one worth your time. Megan Lavorne. And trust me, she's so worth it. So cherish her. Seriously cherish. God has a huge plan for her, and she's about the only human who can put up with you. <laughs> I do have some difficult news to tell you. You only have about 28 more years with your dad. I know it seems like forever, but it goes so quick. So stop making fun of him. Argue less. <laughs> Say I love you often. And ask a ton of questions. You'll miss him more than you know. There are a lot of challenges ahead in life, but you will make it because God is faithful. This life is an amazing adventure, so love God with everything that's in you. Love the people he brings in your world the same way. Have fun, and just remember, no matter what, God chose you. I don't know what letter you would write to your seven-year-old self. I want to challenge you to take this exercise, literally. But I, I just felt so impressed upon to tell you, wherever you are in this journey, that no matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your belief, you are loved. And I truly, from the depths of who I am, my wife, our team, this church, we truly believe the greatest season of your life is still ahead of you. Whether you're a Christ follower or not. But I want to challenge you, don't just take another step or live another day without being honest about the obstacles and the opportunities that are in front of you. I think honesty and humility are essential components, but please hear me when I say this. You also need help. You need great people around you. Coaches, cheerleaders, challengers and the like. 
but choose to be fully present in this life and see what God can and will continue to do in you and through you. No matter your story, no matter your past, no matter your belief, you are loved. I believe my story matters. I'm honest about what I love and I care about. And I'm honest about my obstacles and my opportunities. The greatest season of your life is still ahead of you. Look at me. The greatest season of your life is still ahead of you. How many of you would just say, you know what? There's a few things that I can be a little more honest and open about. Would you just raise your hand? Awesome. Let me just pray for all of us right now. Can we do that? God, we just thank you that you're here. We thank you that you're not ashamed or uh, concerned about the, the mess in our life. And God, we just ask that you do something miraculous in us and open our eyes, the eyes of our heart, to see the things that we can adjust and change. And, and God, I just pray you'd help us to make the right decisions moving forward. God, we don't want to miss this, the opportunities that are in front of us because we're not being honest about the obstacles. So God, I pray that your Holy Spirit would identify things we need to adjust, and I pray that your Holy Spirit would use people in our lives to see the blind spots that we just can't see yet so that we can truly live a wonderful life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, before we go, I just want to take a minute to talk to those of you who may not be sure where you stand in your faith. You know, we exist for this very reason, that the greatest season of your life is ahead of you. And I think that completely tied to that is whether or not you choose to allow Jesus to be a part of it. And he desperately wants to be a part of your life, no matter how much you've felt separated, no matter how far away you might have felt, no matter what your past has been like. And what I'm not talking about is church membership here. I'm not talking about just a title but an internal decision where you just say, you know what, I just want to let Jesus be in charge of my life. And then there's a starting point for that. It's not a class you take. It's not a number of attendances in a church service, but it's simply just saying yes to Jesus. And if you're here and you've never made that decision, I want to challenge you, today is your day. In a moment, I'm going to pray a prayer. You don't have to get out of your seat. You won't even be embarrassed. But right where you're seated, God can encounter you and you can start that journey with him. In a moment when I pray that prayer, if that's you and you've never made that decision just in your own heart, I want you just to repeat this prayer after me. And some of you are here today and you've been flirting with your faith. You've been running from God and today is the day to come running back. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Nobody looking around. If you're here today and you've never prayed that prayer or today is the day to pray it again for the first time in a long time, just very quietly in your own heart, would you just repeat this prayer after me to say, Jesus, thank you for giving me purpose. I've got sin in my life. But I know you're okay with who I am. Would you forgive me of my sin? I want to start a new journey with you. Just make this statement your own. Just say, Jesus, I give you my life. In Jesus' name. If you prayed that prayer with us today, we are so excited to be a part of this journey with you. 
Would you email us at info at theocmovement.com? And if you're not in the area, we would love to help you find another life-giving church near you. Send us an email at info at theocmovement.com and we'll get back to you shortly. Thank you again for listening to another inspiring message from the Movement Church.